Be Brooklyn. Downloads of this show are available on Podomatic.com and the Podomatic mobile app. Junction on Radio Free Brooklyn. This is a new show hosted by me, Asha Saluja. Bushwick Junction is a show about life's inflection points. It's about the crossroads in our lives, which paths we choose when we reach them, and where those choices lead us or don't. We'll talk about the decisions we agonized over and the decisions we didn't even realize we were making until years after we made them. We'll talk about how we decide things, how we weigh our options, how we tap into our intuitions. And we'll talk about the degree to which our choices matter. Do we have any control over the things that alter our fate? Or do we end up in the same place no matter which roads we take? On each show, I have a guest tell me all the big decisions they've ever made in order. We start at birth, fast forward to their first big decision, and map out the road their life has taken as a series of these inflection points or junctions. Uh, today's guest is someone I'm really excited to talk to because he's, uh, an important person here at RFB. I don't know. <laughs> he's like a character. He's a character in my life, but like only, you know, I've, I've only seen you around. I don't really know anything about you. So I'm excited to ask you a series of deeply personal questions, uh, as the means of us getting to know each other. Uh, Ori, will you do a brief introduction of yourself? So, hi, I'm Ori Givens. I am here on the management team with Radio Free Brooklyn. I executive produce a couple of shows here, uh, Queer State of Mind on Saturdays at noon, and also Objections to the Rule, which is on Sundays at 1. And outside of Radio Free Brooklyn Life, I'm a television news reporter. I work up in the Hudson Valley um, as an on-air reporter and a freelance journalist occasionally and stuff like that. Kind of a dream career. You're really doing it. It is. You know, it's been something that I've wanted to do my whole life, as we'll, we'll get into. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it's kind of like it's been this full circle moment that has kind of come to fruition finally. Use an Oprah phrase. I love. Aw, love the Oprah reference. Uh, isn't it really exciting when you, like, give your, your little bio, when you say what you're doing and you're like, oh, that's really awesome. I'd, so, I'd be excited to meet that person. I still am kind of in shock. You know, it's been a long time coming, but the fact that I am actually like a TV reporter, it's very weird. You know, I feel like I'm still the same person. Like I go to work every day and I come home and I watch Netflix and yeah. have a glass of wine. And, you know, it, I feel very much the same, but, you know, this is what I do now. So it, it's it's cool. Very cool. And I guess we'll hear the, the journey that you've taken uh, to go through this, like, phase of life where you're suddenly doing this amazing thing but still feeling like the netflix watching wine drinking person and that you were before um okay so the first question on this show is tell me about the circumstances circumstances into which you were born 
And little bonus question, if you can wrap your head around this, what might might life have looked like for someone who was born like you? Ooh, that is that is a good question. Those are both good questions. So I was born in Columbus, Ohio. Um, I'm a Buckeye. And I was born in a neighborhood called Linden. And Linden is sort of a, you know, I don't want to, you know, people say that it's a rough neighborhood. People say that it's got a lot of crime. But when I grew up, I saw a lot of hardworking people, a lot of families. You know, it was a lot of people of color, primarily black people living in the neighborhood. But everybody was working class, you know, kept nice lawns, you know, went to church for the most part. Not my family, but most families, you know. And it was just kind of a really cool place to grow up. It's changed a lot. Um, but I feel like it always is kind of a part of me. My mom still lives there. Um, she lives in the house that my grandma bought back in the, the 60s or 70s. So she's been there pretty much all of her life, never plans on giving it up. She's holding on to that house forever. Aww. And, uh, you know, it's it was a really interesting time. I, I grew up in the, the 80s and 90s, um, which I feel like was like the calm before the storm. Interesting. You know, we have gotten into this new period of social change and you know, social reckoning that I feel like we kind of skirted over in the 90s and the early 2000s. You know, everybody was just kind of happy-go-lucky and there were things happening. There were things kind of building up. But as a kid growing up then, I felt like the world was very happy and peaceful and my world was very happy and peaceful for the most part. And, you know, it was, it, I didn't really see all of that injustice then. Um, you know, both of my parents worked most of my life um, you know, at different points, they were doing different things. My mom is retired now, but she spent a long time working for the public utility company. Um, my dad is now a therapist and a drug and alcohol counselor. Um, he has been doing that for the past 10 or so years. Um, but he actually, you know, he came to that path in life because of his struggles with addiction and mental health. And so that was kind of a part of my growing up. You know, he got sober during my childhood. He went to college in his 40s, got his degree in his wow. 40s, got his master's degree after that, and then went on this new pathway to helping people deal with those struggles in their life. So, you know, I have two very strong parents. They were always, you know, I call them helicopter parents because they literally were always kind of there you know, and, and I'm thankful for that. When I was a kid, I wasn't necessarily thankful for that because I always felt like they didn't let me do anything. Like I never went to sleepovers as a kid. I never went to mm. summer camp. Um, they didn't understand the concept. Like, why do you want to go away for the summer? That doesn't make any sense, you know? <laughs> um, but now I understand a little bit more as I'm, as I'm older and, you know, I, I see the world differently. I get it. You know, they were very protective. They wanted me to grow up. And they wanted me to be able to grow up and do the things that I wanted to do and live a life without those burdens that many kids, many youth fell into when they were growing up in the neighborhood that I grew up in. That's kind of a, a it rough around the, you know, and I forgot what was the bonus question? Uh, you know, I think you kind of got at it. It's like what what life could have looked like for someone born like you. It sounds like you're your parents' influence was just really strong. And anyone yeah. born to parents like that sort of had this foundation uh, of hard work. And uh, your dad's life story sounds fascinating. Like, yeah, I keep on telling him. He's actually working on his autobiography now because yeah. it is really, it's really a story of, and, and you know, he came from 
really, really rough circumstances from, you know, being homeless when he was younger to, you know, being kind of put around in, in foster care. He didn't have a good relationship with his mother or his father. Um, and so he came, you know, he was able to overcome that and then, you know, overcome the other obstacles that were kind of thrown in his life. He was a child of the revolution. He was very much in the activist circles and, you know, during the civil rights movement in the 60s. Wow. And he paid a really harsh price for that. You know, when you talk about that, the Cointel Pro, when you talk about those things, like my dad was one of those people that, you know, he was not allowed to advance in life because of some of the activities that he was involved in trying to liberate black people. And so, you know, now to see him doing what he's doing and, you know, still understanding that there was a long journey to get there, you know, it is, it is really funny. I understand a lot more now um, that I didn't when I was younger. Interesting. And it sounds like you had this household that was, sounds like it was focused around or social justice was a big part of your background, but it wasn't in the foreground well, in your childhood because uh, you're yeah. more in a more idyllic yeah. circumstance. I think, you know, my parents from a very early age, you know, we're talking about the talk now, you know, the talk has become a part of mainstream where people, you know, the conversation that black parents have with their children about the dangers of the world. And I remember that talk. I got that talk many times because I was a kid, you know, I was, my my education was interesting because we had this busing program in the city where I grew up. So they took kids and kind of flipped them around all over the place. So mm. although I lived in this neighborhood that was predominantly black, I went to school in a neighborhood that was the opposite. It was predominantly white. And so I was regularly maybe one or two black kids in my class um, up until high school, you know, and so they were always very conscious of the fact that I, I stuck out. Mm -hmm. um, I was also, you know, and not to my own horn, but I was, you know, I was a smarter kid. I was always on honor roll during that time. And I was like, you know, the kid that was like reading at higher grade level. So I had to go to different classes to, you know, get education because it was, you know, it was very important to my parents. They wanted me to be challenged. They didn't want me to be bored. So I was one of those kids that kind of stuck out. And so they made sure to let me know that, look, you're going to stick out for these reasons, but it doesn't have to be a negative thing. You right. know, it can be a positive thing and be a good thing. You have to embrace it, you know? Cool. That's such a strong, good foundation. Another thing that sounds like, I mean, you're not mentioning the effect or how this played out for you later in life, but I think it's unusual to have a parent make a life change in the middle of your childhood or adolescence. Yeah. It's not, I'm not saying it's unusual like weird but it's not an everyday thing. it's not that doesn't happen for everyone so i'm curious to follow that through line that sort of like kind of open-mindedness right that well, you were a, like able to observe at an age that most people aren't i think it was you know there was a lot of change especially in my teenage years you know that was when my dad was going to school and you know my mom was kind of transitioning in her career and so there was a lot of change, you know, they also at that point, they separated, you know, so there, you know, I think that a lot of life decisions that they made affected us. They were very much about staying together for us. And then we're like, no, don't do this. Yeah. So, you know, I think that that change, those changes that happened, I didn't even realize how they affected me, I think, until much later in life, you know, but I specifically with my dad and going through school, you know, it, it kind of reinforced the idea that you can do anything if you, you do it. You know, you have to put in the work. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I hear people now that, you know, school is too hard or things like that. But, 
you know, going to school, at, you can do it at any age, you know, if it's what you want to do. And he had a direction in his life. He always knew what he wanted to do. Um, it was just about getting the things in line so that he could do it. And I think that those are some of the lessons that kind of stuck with me. Yeah. Uh, because it is, you know, life will derail you. Life will take you in different paths. And, and it's important to, you know, understand what your purpose in life is so that you can always be working toward that purpose and to develop new purposes if you, you know, accomplish things or things don't work out the way you want to. But having that center of understanding of who you are and where you want to go, I think was something that that change, you know, instilled in me. Yeah, that's really, really interesting. Um, it sounds the theme I'm getting is just that you had a really strong foundation, just a really strong. It wasn't without its cracks, yeah. you know, but I think that overall, even with the cracks, we were able to feel secure, you know, through yeah. that period when my parents were separating, it was a lot to deal with, mm -hmm. you know, we had to move out of the house that I grew up in across town. You know, my grandparents, um, the two living grandparents I had, both of my grandmothers also passed away during that time. This was about when I was 17. Yeah, that's and hard age. So that's, that. yeah, that's, it's a rough age, you know, also, you know, dealing with like just being a teenager. Mm -hmm. um, I was coming into understanding who I was as far as my sexuality and sexual orientation. And this was in the 90s. So it wasn't like today where kids are, you know, really able to embrace who they are a lot earlier Then it was you know, you were kind of outcast if you weren't, you know, normal, quote unquote, or, you know, you didn't like girls or, you know, if you were a boy or like boys, if you were a girl. So it was, you know, there were a lot of things going on. But I think having that understanding that, you know, my parents, even though they were separated, even though they were doing different things, even though they also had their own things to focus on, they were there to support me and my brother. I, I think it, it allowed me to, as best I could, navigate those things and still feel a sense of, of comfort and stability. Wonderful. That's that's just really lovely to hear. So I think we've probably worked ourselves up in time to the time of you making your first big decision. Mm -hmm. And tell me what that was. I have to remember what I put on there. You put, you talked, you said, uh, oh, so, you yeah, I do. Order, I did. Actually. No, so I, I jumped ahead a yeah. little bit. So let's fast forward or let's rewind back a couple of years. Okay. So, you know, what I'm doing now has kind of always been what I've wanted to do. You know, I've always wanted to be a, a television reporter. And when I first got this idea, I was probably in elementary school. Yeah. You know, I saw Dana Tyler, who is now an anchor here in New York City, but she used to work back in my hometown. Um, I saw her do a presentation at school and I'm just like, this is really cool you know, the thought of like being, and it wasn't even necessarily, you know, I think it was cool to be on TV then. Like, that's what I thought. Like, oh, you get to be on TV, you get to meet people. And then it kind of developed into like, oh, you get to meet all these awesome people and tell all these awesome stories. So there was a show back in my hometown called Kids News Network. And I'd watched the show. I applied to be on the show, didn't get it. Um, but basically it was like a new show done by kids, by kids that were like 12 to 16 or somewhere around in that age range. Who was, who organized this? So this was organized by the local CBS affiliate cool. back home. Okay. So it was, it was a legit television production that was on the air every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. And, you know, I remember seeing this and being like, that's what I want to do. And my dad's like, well, then you need to apply for it and you need to do it. And so I applied once and I didn't get it. And my dad loves to bring this up. He's like, you know, you you didn't get, you applied for Kids News Network two times. You didn't get it the first time. It's this way of telling me like, you have to keep trying. Yeah, um, you really do. You do. Yeah, you do. 
And so I, you know, my second time I got it. And I remember the first time I was, I went into the studio to observe and they were like, well, you're not just going to come in to observe. You're going to do the sports cast today. And I was completely like, threw you in the deep end. Yeah, they threw me in the deep end. I was completely overwhelmed by the idea that, oh my God, I'm actually, I'm going to be on television. And I, you know, I had a horrible outfit. My mom dressed me in this like lie, like this <laughs> olive green ish, brownish thing. Oh, and after no. that point, I decided that I was always going to pick my own clothes. <laughs> um, but you know, I got in front of the camera and I read the prompter and it was like what I was supposed to be doing. Wow. That's yeah. so cool. And, and you're, you're like 12 at 13. Yeah. I was like, I think I started when I was 13 wow. and I did that for several years. Um, did a bunch of awesome stories, you know, got to eventually anchor the newscast. Um, and it was a great experience. You know, it was really cool to kind of dip my toe in something like that. So early it was really, I mean, it was a blessing and an opportunity that, you know, a lot of kids don't get, you know, and yeah, it, it was kind of amazing. I would love to zoom in to the feeling you described of knowing this is what you're supposed to be doing. Like, I want to like pick it apart. I wish. Yeah, go ahead. So what what does that feel like? Like, what is the sensation? Is it related to just knowing? Is it like an intuitive moment or were you getting feedback like, hey, you're really great at this. This is totally what you should be doing. So I, I think it's a it's a it's a combination of all of those things. You know, people that know my history um, knew that journalism was a passion of mine, knew that being on the news was a passion of mine. So they really wanted to support me in that. Um, I think as I got older, I realized the importance of telling stories. And I think that, you know, especially growing up where I grew up, where all you heard on the news was when someone got shot or when someone got robbed or some of those negative aspects of the neighborhood, realizing that like, hey, this is not my experience. It may be an experience that people have. And I, you know, I've been closely connected with people who have lost been lost to gun violence or have experienced gun violence but there are other stories out there and knowing that i had a unique voice to tell stories that maybe weren't being heard or weren't being understand stood with the nuance that uh they could be understood with um so you know it was something that uh resonated with me. I remember working on my school newspaper when I was in, you know, high school and, and doing Kids News Network. And there was this interesting, I went to Spain when I was in, I was 18 and we were in this random village. I think it was Sevilla or something like that. And we're walking along. It was Sevilla because they were, it was, it was really interesting because you have all the, like the, um, the churches and the mosques and things like that. And I remember finding this like plaque and it said, aquí vive un periodista, which means here lives a journalist in Spanish. Mm. And I was just like, well, that's interesting. Like of all the things that you're going to find randomly on this journey, like that's something that I would find. A and sign. It was a literal yeah, sign. A literal sign. <laughs> and so I think there were always those things um, out there. Yeah. Um, but it still took me a really long time to get to the point where I was on TV. So it, it you know, it's interesting. So how did this play out? So you, um, you, you felt right. It clicked and mm -hmm. it sounds like it kind of became a community and an experience for you beyond the actual doing of it. You mm -hmm. got to travel and you got to do all these cool things and feel connected to your hometown in a new way. Mm -hmm. So there were just all these great things about it and you definitely weren't going anywhere as a teenager. You're going to stick to it and mm -hmm. be in it, 
uh, until you probably aged out, I would guess. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, I we, you know, you usually age out. Well, I, I, age out is the wrong word, but typically, you know, it's you you kind of transition is about sixteen or seventeen. Got it. Um, there wasn't really a cap, but a lot of people did it because your high school life kind of takes over and things like that. Right. Um. So I think I did Kids Network until the summer before my junior year, and then that summer I was an intern. Um, so I interned with the show and, and kind of helped with, you know, the newer reporters and anchors and things like that. Um, and then I decided that I was going to go to school for journalism. So I, you know, I went in, you know, and applied for journalism schools, applied for colleges and things like that. And that really gets me to the next you know, yeah. transition point. So what was that decision like? So for me, I wanted to, I knew I wanted to go to school away from home. Um, you know, like I said, I had parents that were always there and I kind of wanted to get away from them, you know, honestly, um, like most kids do. Um, so I applied to a bunch of schools. I didn't get into any, I applied for university of Miami in Florida. I applied for Northwestern. I applied for OU Ohio university. I applied for Bowling Green and I applied to Ohio state, um, which was like my backup school because I was already going to Ohio state as like a post-secondary student. So Mm. I, um, was that, is that in your hometown? Yeah. Okay. It's in Columbus. Yeah. So uh, I applied to all those schools. I did not get into Northwestern or the University of Florida. So already my out of state options were eliminated, you know, and I was bummed, but I did get into the other three schools. Um, I didn't see myself going to Bowling Green. I applied because they had a decent communications program. Um, but it really wasn't my top choice. So it was between OSU, which is in my hometown, and Ohio University, which was 90 minutes away in Athens. And so Ohio University gave me a really nice scholarship, and they had one of the most top-notch journalism programs, Scripps School of Journalism, and you know that was available. So I decided to go there, and it was also 90 minutes away, so it was far enough. <laughs> they couldn't drop in. That they couldn't drop in, or if they did, they would at least like you know want to call and let me know. Um, so I, I went there, and that was it. Was a hard decision um, because I had spent so much time, you know, at home. We didn't really travel a lot as a family. Like we did a couple of trips here and there, but you know, we were pretty much rooted in Columbus, so. It was difficult to pick up and go, you know, to a whole different place. Was the idea of that, of doing that, factoring into the decision? Or was that just the reality that set in once you decided? Um, I think it was partly, you know, I, I did make the choice because, you know, it was kind of like I'd already done Ohio State. I didn't want to do Ohio State again. It's interesting because I eventually came back to Ohio State and, and got my degree from there. Oh, interesting. Um, we'll have to get we'll, to that. We'll get there. Um, but I didn't really, you know, I didn't want to be in Columbus. I wanted to experience something else. I don't know why that something else would have been Athens County, Ohio, but that was the options that were available then. Um so the, I think the distance did factor into to the choice, but also the the ability to study at at the school, um, because it was you know when I visited it was a great program and there were you know great mentors and opportunities for me to hone my craft as a journalist and and to eventually get on television. So it was a you know I think it was it was more the program, but also partly because it was you know it was farther away. Got it. Um. And it was a hard decision and also a hard thing to do. Yeah, it, it was. Because, you know, as much as I talk about not wanting my parents around, like they'd always been there. So mm-hmm. the idea that they're now 90 minutes away, I didn't drive at that time. So it wasn't like I could drive back home. 
you know, if I was getting homesick. And I didn't even understand the concept of being homesick because I'd never been away from home, you know, except for that trip to Europe. And so I didn't even really think that you're that like, would be what is thing. this awful feeling? Yeah, it's like I just want to be at home eating food with my family. And I didn't Aww. really understand, you know, that would happen. And then, you know, I went from a, a being in a city where I felt like everybody knew me. Like I always joke that my my parents had spies all <laughs> over the place. So I didn't I couldn't get in any trouble because there was always somebody watching and reporting back on what I was doing. And so being in Athens, there wasn't there. There were the spies. There were still spies, but it was a different experience. I kind of, you know, wild out a little bit. I was able to do things that I wouldn't have done back at home. Right. Um, and, and kind of be that traditional freshman college student. And, you know, I realized that it wasn't overall, it wasn't a great environment because I felt so disconnected. I didn't have my circle of friends. I didn't have the people I knew and grew up with. I was in this environment where, you know, I felt kind of like an outsider. And, you know, I really didn't, you know, as much as I wanted to do TV news, I really didn't enjoy the program as much as I thought I would. Mm. Um, so what didn't the, you enjoy about it? It was, you know, I, at that point, I think I was kind of getting more liberally minded. And I realized then that they wanted you to kind of be in this box. And I was not about being in boxes at that point in my life. I did not, you know, I'd never been in a box. I didn't want to be in a box then. And so there were these incidents. One, one particularly, I remember, you know, I wasn't allowed to dye my hair when I was a kid. So when I turned 18, like that was my form of rebellion. I started dyeing my hair. Okay. Um, what color are we talking? Every here? color you can imagine. Wow. Um, so I had red hair, I had blonde hair, I had black hair with blue streaks. I had, I had all the hair, all the hair you can imagine. <laughs> and so I remember I was doing a show. Uh, I was hosting a talk show and I went in to do the show and I had blonde hair. And it was like a black current affairs talk show. And so I go in and my producer is like, what are you doing? Why do you have blonde hair? And I'm like, because I have blonde hair. He's like, well, you can't have that blonde hair and do this show. You need to dye your hair. Uh. And I'm just like, I don't understand what you're telling me. And he's like, well, you can't do, you know, a, basically you can't do a black affairs talk show with blonde hair. And this is college. This is let, exactly, let me live. exactly. So, you know, there were things like that, that, we're like, you know, when you're kind of this young kid that really does has been conforming all his life and doesn't want to conform anymore. It was kind of a warning sign for me. Um, so that was kind of it was one of those things that I I took it in stride, but I realized that maybe this wasn't right for me right now. Yeah. And I got an opportunity at Ohio State to pursue another love of mine, which is languages and culture. Mm -hmm. um, so I was going to go back, you know, I decided to go back to Ohio State so I could try to pursue studying language. So when you said you got the opportunity to, you were like, all right, this isn't for me. I'm going to apply to transfer. Mm -hmm. Right. And so you ended up finishing your degree there. Was that a hard decision? Well, it was it was a hard decision. Um but it was easier than the decision to go away. I think. Interesting. Um, it was hard because it kind of felt like failure. Cause like everybody, it's like if you went, if you grew up in Columbus, Ohio State is that school you go to if you don't get in anywhere else, hmm. you know? And I grew up around Ohio State. My dad graduated from Ohio State. My grandmother graduated from Ohio State. So it was, it was something that, of course, like, yeah, I could go to Ohio State. And it kind of felt like, you know, now, now don't get me wrong. Ohio State's an amazing institution. Um, but, you know, you're kind of jaded when you're, you're around it all the time. Right. So it was hard to kind of 
take that and be like, okay, I'm going to go back to Columbus. I'm going to move in with my parents. You know, it's like give up some of this autonomy that I had just earned. Um, So I think that part was difficult. But it sounds like just very conceptually here, if you were, it was really hard to decide between two things when you were first deciding where to go. And then you you tried one of them and you didn't like it that much. So Mm -hmm. it was easier to decide to choose the other one. Yes, yeah. you already knew what you were choosing between. No, yeah, I think, you know, and looking back at it, you know, and all the things that happened, I realized I wasn't necessarily ready to mm. be away from home. Although I wanted to be. Right. My, you know, I wasn't emotionally ready. Uh, I wasn't, you know, at the stage in life where I could be successful and be away from home. You know, I hadn't matured enough. Hmm. you know but i thought i was grown so (laughs) you couldn't tell me i wasn't grown yeah damn no college freshmen just have a rough time of it i feel like that's the great american institution having a bad freshman year of college i think so no no one's having a good time well and it's hard because we we don't really teach kids how to be freshmen we don't teach them how to adjust like they have all these programs of course and all these things but it's a rough adjustment. And then in movies, it's like, you're supposed to be having the time of your life. Freedom, right. so much fun. And yeah, then the no. reality is so different. It's so different. It's not like, you know, they don't talk about the time when you're sitting in your room like, I don't want to go out because yeah. I don't know anybody. or Social like, anxiety. Yeah, I go to this party and I'm just like standing against the wall because I don't want to talk to anyone. Like they don't talk about, I mean, I guess they do sometimes. Yeah. They rom- even they romanticize that. Though. Yeah. This is very true. Wow. Okay. For college freshmen, sorry for any of you that happen to be listening. It gets better. It does. (laughs) Life gets so much better. Okay. So you finish your degree, uh, back, back in the hometown, back at Ohio State. And so I'll throw you a curveball there, though. Oh, it took me. Let's see. I went back to Ohio State in 2003. Okay. I didn't actually finish my degree in 2011. Until 2011. Wait, okay, let's dig in. So uh, I went back to Ohio State and it was like being back at home. I was hanging out with my friends. I was doing all these things. I really wasn't focused on school. Mm-hmm. Um, and you were changing majors. You were no longer driving towards yep, the same goal. I was no longer driving toward the same goal. Yeah. I started, um, I was majoring in Spanish linguistics and I was doing something completely different. And I was also, you know, kind of going through just an evolution of self, I think, at that period of time, um, you know, doing a lot of like partying and things like that, all mm-hmm. that stuff you do when you're in your 20s. And so uh, I left school in, I think, 2005, 2004, 2005. Did you formally leave school or did you trickle away from school? I, I trickled away um, partly because like I had... Um, I was having issues with like financial aid. And then I also had this job that I was working and I was working full time. Um, and the job like kind of took me in an interesting direction. I used to work in, I spent a lot of time working for a big call center company. And so I started on the phones just as like, you know, wanting to make some extra money. And then, you know, eventually moved up and became like a supervisor and a trainer and started, um, opening up call centers, um, you know, I went to San Diego to open up a call center and then I went to um, Utah and, you know, started doing that. And so I kind of went on this interesting like career divergence mm. um, that I, you know, stuck with for about, I don't know, like 12 years. Um, you know, I stayed with that company for 12 years. And 
So, you know, school kind of fell by the wayside. Um, I was always going to get back to school. Yeah. But it was like, well, I'm doing this now. So let's focus on this now. Yep. Um, and, you know, I was having fun. I was eventually traveling, you know, the world doing like very cool corporate things and like, you know, so it was, it was just like, it was an interesting experience and it wasn't really conducive to being in school because the job was so demanding. Right. Um, but I didn't get back to school until 2008, I think, um, 2007 or 2008, something like that. Did you experience some like, dissonance or I guess almost guilt that you were doing this job that was cool and fun and you were liking it, but it wasn't what you set out to do. I don't think I would have known that then. Um, but what I, what I think I know now is that, you know, you're always afraid of what you don't know. Right. And I'd had such a negative experience with journalism. It's almost like my mind said, well, this is not for me. I'm not going to do this. I need Mm -hmm. to find something else. So I think maybe, you know, looking back, I was like trying to find if, you know, something else that I could do that still satisfied that telling of stories need and that meeting people and that using communication skills and and things like that, um, which is how I got into what I was doing. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that that plays a part in it. I think it was, you know, but there was there was kind of a revelation where I realized like, okay, I have to get back on track. Right. Um, Interesting. I think the story you just told, the the curveball, is incredibly common. I yeah. think so many people in our generation are just like working in careers that are are fine, are good, are yeah, are they're all right, suitable for their you know life and afford them a good life. But there's this like there's this pressure to be a thing. It's sort of mm-hmm. to be in a box. It's yeah. like to become a specific thing and then the thing that you end up doing or that you know is is your in-between job is not a thing it's not a neat story it's not like a neat narrative no i mean it was cool like people are always like you know really interested in the fact that like i travel the world and all these things but it was not who people thought i was gonna be right and they were always letting me know that right That's so interesting. You got feedback like that or people oh, in yeah. your life kind of like, hey, you have another passion. Yeah, this is, you know, it, and it, it's interesting, especially closer to the point where I actually made the big transition into full time journalism. It was like, OK, you know what you're supposed to be doing. You know, my dad like said, he's, you know, it's always there. He can be very blunt. And, you know, it got to the point where he's just like, look, like you either need to decide to do this or not. And mm-hmm. so there were always kind of those those signs. Um and always kind of those those kind of interesting um like reminders like hey you're you're a little off track you know right. although i didn't think of it i you know i think of it as like i needed to gain more experience in doing other things to feel like this was what i wanted to do but mm-hmm. again back then i was just like no this is cool for right now so i'm just going to do this for a little bit that's great that it was kind of an unstressed out way of looking at it it sounds like it was kind of an unneurotic i don't know i think i feel like there was a lot of neuroses yeah i do i just it it was you know because there's there's that self-doubt and that self-guilt and that those all those expectations you put on yourself i know you know with regard to school like it was never in the plan to not graduate from college Mm -hmm. you know like that was not even 
really an option. Right. You're a good me. kid. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And, you know, the fact that it took so long is still kind of a point of like, well, I should have, you know, I think back, well, if I sh- if I had have done it this way, if I had have finished on time, like how would life be different? You know. So what was the decision like to go back and get it done? Um, it was, I got to the point, you know, doing what I was doing and, and working in kind of writing and corporate communications. I was like, well, I want to, you know, get ready if I'm going to move up to the next level, move on to the next level or figure out what I want to do. And I know I needed to have a degree to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very hard enough as a black man to work in the corporate a- arena, especially if you don't have formal education. So I knew that that was a necessary step for me to complete, to do anything higher than what I was doing. So, so know. actually not journalism. You were like, I need to finish my degree to move up on this current path that I'm on. Mm-hmm. Got it. Okay. Yeah. And so I thought, well, you know, I have the opportunity. I was working in a, you know, I was working the job and I got the, you know, I was doing corporate training, which means I was traveling, but then I got an offer to kind of transition roles into being like a, a copywriter and an editor which would allow me a bit more flexibility. Mm-hmm. So once I was able to do that, I took that opportunity to say, okay, let me figure out this school thing, get through all the logistics and get back into school. And that was a whole process. Like, yeah, it was not just like go and register. And like, I had to fill out a lot of forms. By then my loans were in default. So like I had to clear all that up. And so getting back into school was in a, was a lot. And I had to spend a couple of semesters at community college you know, mm. to get back into kind of the swing of things um, and and really, you know, get back into a place where I could go back to OSU and and finish successfully. Well, you did it. And you eventually got a master's, right? Was that right after? Or? I did. It wasn't right after, but it was pretty close to right after. I knew that I wanted to, by that point, I was kind of like, okay, I I like what I'm doing. I like corporate communications. I like the work, but I think I really still love journalism. Yeah. And so, you know, I was kind of getting back in this mode where I'm like, well, I, you know, I'd watch people on the news and I'd be like, I still kind of want to do that. Wow. And let's zoom into this. Yeah. So this is not only, I think the big junction for you and for mm. this story and episode, but I think this is a really common story. Just like yeah. I said, it's really common for people to choose this kind of career that didn't match the original idea they had for their life. I think it's also a really common and profound thing to like, pick yourself up and put yourself back where you thought you should yeah. be. And I like th- the reason why I love the concept that I've done for this show is like, I want to teach people how to make these decisions yeah. almost and myself even maybe I want to do this one day. So what did it feel like? How, how did you know that it was time to do that? And also was there a through line that did you pursue this hobby in some other way in the intermittent time between like, college and that's a good making that decision so i um i had the experience when i was finishing my undergrad to intern um and i i also there's there's two 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 kind of reminders so i did something called buckeye tv which was like our college news station Mm -hmm. and the interesting thing about that was that the person that was the director for Kids News Network was now the head of Buckeye TV. Wow. So I reconnected with him. Yeah. yeah. And it was like, also like a reminder, I remember him telling me, he's like, I can't believe you're not on television already. Wow. Um, so, you know, I was with Buckeye TV for a little bit. And then I also, 
Um, because in journalism, it's very important that you have internships. Like if you don't have internships, like you, you're never going to get a job. So I was like, I need to get an internship. And I had tried to apply at all the local stations. I tried to apply at the local newspapers and all this thing. And I found one place hired me as an intern. And it was um, this publication called Outlook Columbus, which was the LGBT publication um, in the city where I lived. And it was a great experience. You know, I got to interview the mayor. I got to produce all these stories and it really just as an intern. Yeah, just and this as an is intern. Broadcast. This is no, it was print. Print. But okay. I also ended up doing radio with them. Hmm. Um, so that was my first real, well, I guess second because I did a little radio at OU. But this was my first time really producing a show. Um, was with Outlook, and so through that experience and through the experience with Buckeye TV, I kind of caught the bug again. Quick question. When you were finishing your undergrad, were you still working at the company that you'd worked at for a long time? I was. So suddenly you were living a little bit of a double life. You were still being like old, tw- the, the, or he was having just this fun job in his twenties and living it up. And then you were also a student and then you were also dabbling back in this yeah. passion. So kind I have a triple life. It was, it was so that it's interesting because there was this time that I was, um, featured in this publication called who's who in lgbt columbus and the article that they wrote about me and you know my interview was about kind of having this double experience both as like this corporate communications person and also a journalist and so it's very it was very much what i was doing and then being a student as well um it's it was a lot to juggle but i was used to juggling so I think it just felt natural. Like it yeah. feels weird now to just be working and right. not being, that's probably why I do radio for a book. It's like, I need more things to do. More busyness. Yeah. What is the feeling like, what What was it like at your old job having to sort of admit to the people around you, like, guys, I know this might be it for you, but this is not it for me. Like, was that a feel? A it thing is, you had it's to kind of uncomfortable. I think they, you know, after a while they knew, especially when I went back to school and finished, they're kind of, I think they kind of got the idea like, oh, he wants to do something else or he wants to change or, or maybe move up in a different way. But I think really what solidified it was I said, okay, guys, I'm moving to New York City and oh. I'm going to go to grad school for journalism. That's the big moment. And Okay, wait, we need to talk about yeah. that more. <laughs> how, did, how did you decide? So I had, it basically, I knew that I was ready again to leave Columbus, um, at least for a while. And truly ready this time. Truly ready. And I wanted to live in New York so badly. I don't know what it was. It was the, you know, everybody I think gets this very romanticized idea of New York City, especially when you're from the Midwest like me. It's all these big buildings and excitement and everything's going on. And I just knew that I wanted to be there. And I think maybe Gossip Girl had a thing to do oh with my God. it. <laughs> um, and Sex in the City. I was that kid. So. Yeah. I, I had this idea and I wanted to go to journalism school because I didn't get enough journalism education in my undergrad. And I knew that I would need more foundation in order to work in the field. So I looked at journalism schools all across the country, but I really knew that I wanted to be in New York. And so I applied to um, the CUNY Graduate School of Journalism and I applied to Columbia grad- Graduate School and I got into both. So it was pretty much like, well, you can go to New York. You have these options available to you. Um, so it was a matter of choosing and I went on a visit. Um, and it was funny because my friend, one of my best friends from high school was actually working here in New York city, um, for a bank. And so she had this really cute, like, you know, apartment hotel that she was staying at. She's like, come out to New York, come see how you like it. Come hang out for, Mm -hmm. you know, and I stayed, I think for like 10 days or something. 
and I could work remotely with my job. So I had the flexibility to kind of go there and work and hang out. And so I came to New York. We were living in the Fidei. And it was just the most glamorous experience. Like I just, I fell in love with New York City. And Aww. so I knew I wanted to be here. And I remember I took my GRE here and I did really well in the GRE and got into both schools. And so I was just like, well, I guess I'm, you know, I'm going to come to New York City. And my parents were not about it. Hmm. They were not. They're um, like, we can't helicopter over to there. Yeah, it's a lot harder for us to get to New York City. And they weren't sure that I was ready. But I, you know, it came out. How old to, were you at this point? I was 28. Okay. And so I'm like, look, I, you know, I have to do this. I have to go to New York City. It's, it's, it's what I'm supposed to do. I got into school. How does I, it feel when you're supposed to do something? How do you know that? Because when you're doing anything else, you feel like you're faking it. Wow. That's, that's powerful. Yeah. You feel like you're, you're not, you're not giving it your all. Like, yeah. You like, and even sometimes when you're doing what you're supposed to do, you, you're not giving it your all. But right. you, it's this feeling that like there's something in the back of your mind that's like, this is not it. Totally. The feeling I think of is like you want to sit in the back of the class. Like yeah. when you're doing the other things, yeah. you're like, yeah, I get it. And I understand, yeah. but I don't want to be, I don't want to be all in on this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And for me, like there were these very like tangible body s- symbols, body signs, because I yeah. would get, whenever I'd watch a newscast, I'd get like chills. Wow. Like we call them news chills. But like when breaking <laughs> news was happening, like I would get chills. When I'd see somebody reporting on the scene, I would get these chills. When I would envision myself doing these things, I would get this feeling. So it, it was kind of like my body was even telling me like, this is what you're supposed to be doing. Wow. That is a really good instruction manual of how to know what you're supposed to be yeah. doing. So your parents, you couldn't explain this to your parents and have them still say no, though. They, they you were knew, like, I'm getting chills. They had to be like, yeah, okay. They get. knew that, like, they knew that journalism was what I was supposed to be doing. They, mm-hmm. they raised me all my life. So they knew that I was supposed to be an on-air reporter. They knew that. They knew that's what I wanted to do. They just didn't know that going to New York was the right way to go about it. They were worried about me in the city. They were yeah. worried that I was going to, you know, get caught up with the wrong element or go wild out or, you know, get lost, you know, right. and, and get further diverted from the goal, you know? Um, so I think that was more their worry. It wasn't about the fact that they didn't believe in me or what I was mm-hmm. meant to do is that they didn't believe in the rest of the world and its ability to keep me safe. Which fair. Yeah. Right. <laughs> the, <rest laughs> of the world kind of sucks. Uh, how did you eventually win them over? Um, I, you know, I just, I kind of just did it. Like, I really don't know that I won them over. Um, it was, I remember I was living in an apartment. I had my own apartment in a suburb of Columbus and I was just like, well, I'm going to school. And so I told my job I was going to school and they're like, well, you can, you know, you can still have your job and go to school. And I was like, all right. So I got that taken care of. I have money coming in. <laughs> like I'll be able to support myself, which is really important in New York city. And I just kind of said, I'm doing it. And I don't think I took no for an answer. You know, they knew after a while. I feel like my mom, up until I actually like physically got on the plane, was not really believing that I was going to go. In denial. Also, quick shout out to this amazing job that let you work remotely for years and years. Yeah. Call it. That's like a great job. I have to be. I'm really, you know, thankful. And even though I, you know, I eventually left the company, it was after a really you know, I can't, all jobs are stressful and I had mm-hmm. my stresses and there were things that were frustrating, but that was, that was the work. There were 
things that were awesome about it. I got to go to places that I never thought I would be able to go. I spent time in the Philippines. Wow. I went to Sweden. Like I went all across the country. You know, I met amazing people. You know, I have friends all over the world because of that job. And, you know, it taught me a lot. And so it was a really great experience. You know, overall, it was a great experience. Sounds super cool. Um, So you're in New York. You're trying to keep your eye on the prize. Mm-hmm. How was grad school? <sighs> grad school is like boot camp. Oh, my gosh. It is like... You know, the the graduate program I went to, I believe it's a best in class program. And I don't say that because, you know, I'm trying to like shout out school, although they're great. Like it absolutely was a great experience, but it's work. They expect you to do work. They expect you to work hard. They expect you to put journalism first, which was really hard for me because I did have another job. Mm -hmm. Um, Because if I didn't have that other job, I wouldn't be able to live in New York City. Right. Um, So there was always trying to navigate that balance was difficult. Um, You know, when other students were out reporting assignments. I had to work. And, you know, there was a big reporting component to this program. So sometimes I wasn't the best student because I had this other thing that I had to do. And sometimes teachers were understanding of that. And sometimes they weren't. Like, I remember that I got threatened to be on like academic probation because I was late to class, you know, and I was like, I turned in a couple of assignments late. And I'm just like, look, you know, I have to work to be here. Right. Um, but it was overall a great experience. Like I'm paying you, guy. Yeah. But they were, you know, they were teaching you to be successful in the field. And, you know, you don't have room for error. You don't have the ability to turn in things late. You have to be where you true. need to be when you need to be there. Yep. Um, so I think it was just, it was all in preparation. Um, but it was a, it was a grueling 18 months. Wow. <laughs> and rewarding. It was. It was. It was to get, um, to complete a graduate degree on time, you know, and to graduate from a school in New York City. And my parents came out, you know, that I think the first time they'd ever been to New York City. Wow. Um, to see me graduate. And, you know, it was a great, it was a great achievement. And I still kind of think like, wow, I did that, you know, I have a master's degree, you know. <laughs> and then I think back, you know, because not many people that look like me that came from where I came from are able to get that achievement you know, because of whatever barriers there are in place. And the barriers that I had in place almost kept me from getting that achievement. So mm-hmm. I, I am thankful that I was able to see beyond the struggles and beyond the long nights and the lack of sleep and the being in a new place and learning how to live in New York City and all these things that are cumbersome to get to where, you know, right. I did it. The experience you're describing of being like, oh, cool, I did that. I have this now. It's like, it's it sounds like the pain and the sleepless nights are there. It's like childbirth or something. Yeah. Like you forget the pain. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And just focus on the achievement. It's such a short time, too. I'm mm-hmm. sure it felt so long in the moment. But looking back on an 18th month period, like. It's 2018 now. I graduated like in 2013. So it feels like a, a journey like it feels like an epic long time ago yeah um facebook like reminds you of like this is what you did four years ago and five years ago i hate those reminders because it's like oh my god i can't believe so much time has passed yeah so let's talk about the time afterwards so you did not immediately pursue a career in journalism i did had the degree i did i had the degree um i actually got a job offer to be a reporter an on-air reporter upstate in albany um, but I couldn't take the job uh, for a couple of reasons. Um, financially, it just wasn't feasible um, to make the transition. 
there's some stuff going on back home. My brother had just found out that him and his now wife were expecting a baby. Um, my dad was going through some things with his employment and I was going through some things. You know, I didn't, after that experience of grad school, I was just like, I don't know if I'm ready mm. for this. Um, so I actually ended up moving back home oh, to wow. Ohio for a little bit. Um, I stayed there maybe a year and a couple of months. Um, and let's see, it was like a year and four months. Yeah, 16 months. So, cause I, I, I remember like, and I, while I was there, I got involved in local radio and I did some other, some freelance reporting and eventually was like, no, I have to go back to New York. Like I can't. So you were involved in local radio. You were doing journalism, mm-hmm. but and you I, were still working. And I was still working company. for the same company. Um, and by that time I had realized, like, I think, you know, it's time for me to figure out something else, you mm-hmm. know? Um, I was doing, you know, I had kind of gotten into this like routine and I was really realizing that I, I had felt like now I was getting myself back on track, but I was also like at this point where I could be veering back off track again. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was time to like course correct. Like New York was like my course correction and I had to realign and go back to New York in order to get in perspective. Interesting. Yeah, you can't be messing around in New York. You gotta no. be doing, you gotta be there for a reason. You do, you do. And so you moved back. I moved back. And what brought me back was actually, I wanted to, I was, I started this, um, podcast called Queer Minded and I wanted to try to develop it and develop into like a kind of an entity, like a business entity. Mm-hmm. So I came back to take like an entrepreneurial journalism class at the graduate school. And so I moved back and took that class. And then I just realized, well, I'm just going to stay in New York City and um, was working as a freelancer, was doing projects, was still working at the company um, up until the beginning of 2017. Um, you know, in between that time, I started with Radio Free Brooklyn and produced Queer State of Mind. And we got that on the air and it's been on the air almost three years now, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Um but it didn't really, you know, there was, I, I had left my job after 12 years at the beginning of 2017 to take another job in corporate communications um, with a completely different company in financial tech. And I was with that job for five months. And it was, although I enjoyed the work, it was not the best culture for me. Um, and I don't think I was the best fit for them. Mm-hmm. So I ended up leaving that job in May. Why did you leave the old job? I left the old job because I wanted to change and I wanted to see it was like a test. Right. I wanted to see if I was supposed to continue in corporate calm oh. or if I was supposed to like get into journalism. That's a good test. It's like, um, is this really substance wise right. what I'm meant to be doing or is it just the environment exactly. that's easy for me? Exactly. And I didn't know if it was just, you know, I wanted to break the comfort, right? Yeah. Because I'd been with this company for so long, I could probably stay there for another 10 years. Right. You know, so I wanted to break the comfort. I wanted to know if it was something that was really what I enjoy doing, which I do, but it's, you know, in a different avenue or if I really just needed to break the mold and try something new. And right. I did. And you passed the test or yes. failed the test. I, yeah, I, 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 I did. I, I did. It didn't work out. Um, and I spent a lot of time figuring out life like that. The summer last summer was not the greatest summer hmm. um, because I had been working for so long 
and had my identity wrapped up in my work for so long to yeah. be not working. Right. You're just like, what is going on with my life? Like, who am I? What am I doing? And so I was applying for all kinds of journalism jobs and I was working for The Advocate, um, which is a national LGBT organization, um, one of the biggest, oldest LGBT newspapers in the world. And so that was like a dream come true. You know, I was their first race and ethnicity correspondent. Cool. And then I produced video for them. So I was doing this type of work and it really set in that, yes, I'm supposed to be a journalist. I'm supposed to be a journalist that tells stories of, you know, people that don't often get heard from. I was reporting these things that were very stressful, mm -hmm. um, but it was enlightening to do the work. And I saw a job posting for the job that I turned down at the end of grad school. Back in the day. Back in the wow. day. Wow, that's crazy. And it is crazy because I reached out and the person that hired me as the assistant news director was now the news director. Mm-hmm. And so I messaged him and we had kept in contact over the you know course of that time because I was really sad, you know, I was sad to have let him down. And I, you know, I reapplied for the job and he's like, well, we're going to fill this job in Albany with somebody else, but we have this job in Hudson Valley. Um, would you be interested in this? And I'm like, by this point, I'm like, I need to be on TV because I need to figure out if TV is what I'm supposed to do for the rest of my life. And so I'm like, absolutely. And I interviewed for the job and I didn't hear back for like a month. Ooh. And I was like, maybe it's like three weeks. It yeah. felt like forever. And so I'm just like, I don't know. Maybe I'm not going to get it. I'm not going to get it. I, you know, I'm just going to keep on applying for jobs. And then mid September, I think I got a call and that's how I got to television. It was hard to make the jump because yeah. I didn't know. It was like now the decision was right in front of me. Mm -hmm. It was like you either do this or you don't and you're not going to get another option because or another chance because you've already had other chances and you've already turned them down. Wow. So you have to do it or you have to basically give up on it. And I know it's not that black and white, but right. that's how your mind processes it. Yeah. It's so interesting though, because you gave up on it once before you, you had that exact same choice in mm -hmm. front of you and you made a different choice the last time. And, and I saw how it turned out. So I'm like, I better make the other choice because wow. the other choice did not go well. Well, we're almost out of time, but congratulations on landing the <laughs> job you. that you were meant to have. I think that this is a really beautiful story that I hope, I hope people really listen to this episode yeah. because I think that New York really place, places a lot of value on achieving your dreams by the time you're 23 years old. Yeah, and that's stupid. You're not, I mean, it's, it's not, you know, achieve your dreams in the time that you're supposed to achieve them. Exactly. If you work hard and keep your eye on the prize, you'll achieve the dreams at the yeah. exact right time for mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for sharing this. I loved Thank this conversation. You, it was great. It was interesting to go back and, and experience all of that again. People love it. reflecting. Yeah. Uh, donate to Radio Free Brooklyn online. My theme songs by Nation of Language. Check them out on Bandcamp or on tour. Uh, I think that's it for you guys. Uh, thank you for listening. I'll be back next Sunday with a new guest, so tune in. Bye. <laughs>